Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. Welcome, everybody. We are the Fantasy Joes. I'm Ryan Livergood, and joining me this evening, as always, are Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood. Trey, I have to say, to lead off the show, great call. Cincinnati going into Lambeau and almost pulling off the upset. Yeah, man, I thought they were going to bring it home. I thought they were actually going to uh, get win number one last week, but I was happy that they played a good game. They, they actually look like a team that has some talent, so. Yeah, and the hottest take of the week, of course, Will, that was yours with uh, T.Y. Hilton blowing up. <laughs> I mean, when I, when I saw the update, and there's a little bit of that story later of when T.Y. Hilton had that long touchdown, there was just so much celebration in my household. Yeah, that, that, was, that was awesome. That was awesome. Good, <laughs> good to see him back. I mean, we'll, we'll see uh, how he does the rest of the year with uh, Andrew Luck looking like he won't be back until November, but... Um, we're going to get into, um, our, some of our personal highs and lows from the week. And this week I want to call our personal highs, the Chris Thompson esque moments of the week, because, um, man, that, that guy was awesome. And for me, my uh, fantasy Joe's high Chris Thompson moment is, is welcome back. Jordan Howard to fantasy relevancy this year. You know, everyone had written Jordan Howard off. I had, I, I benched him in one of my leagues because I was worried about the shoulder and, and he looked good and the bears looked okay. Not great, but they won. They won. That's what's important. So welcome back Jordan Howard to, uh, to, to the NFL and to fantasy football relevance. Trey, what was your, uh, your Chris Thompson moment this week? Well, my Chris Thompson moment, <clears throat> actually it's quite appropriately named after running back. And uh, you talked about a running back. And last week on the show, one of my gripes was the RBC that's killing uh, dynasty fantasy football players, mainly Joe Mixon on my teams. So I was super excited to see the Cincinnati Bengals finally start to turn to Joe Mixon in a little bit more. Not in a huge, I wouldn't call it a workhorse role, but definitely giving him the majority of the touches, I was ecstatic to see that. That was, that was my high of the week, especially after complaining about it last week and seeing it turn around a little bit. He has a pulse. He has a pulse. So we're going to talk about Joe Mixon more uh, in a little bit. Will, your Chris Thompson moment of the week. Well, and I'll go outside of that T.Y. Hilton moment, which actually happened during uh, – I was actually telling you, I was watching Red Zone at home, hanging out, having some fun. My wife was watching it with me, and I uh, went outside to go take out our dog, Poppy. And as I'm out there, I'm kind of looking at the stats. It kind of switches in, in, like, in and out of our Wi-Fi at our house, so it's kind of annoying. But then all, all of a sudden, I just get a text. Uh, she goes, hurry up. You're missing all the things. And then like, proceeded to try to describe everything that was happening at Red Zone at once. <laughs> while like, T.Y. Hilton was scoring, Minnesota was getting a long touchdown, and then Brady was, uh, had that, that pick six. And just kind of watching her try to get all those – like, it was so cute and endearing, uh, but also just very funny. I just like the quote that, you're missing all the things. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, 
so um, so those were the highs, the lows of the week. I, I, I alluded to one. And for, for me, I, we got to call this segment this week the Marcus Cooper Sr. Uh, moment of the week. Uh, you know, he had that Leon Letts uh, impersonation of the Bears game. I mean, and that's too obvious for me. I just think my low, not only was it benching Jordan Howard this week and, and, and starting C.J. Anderson instead, uh, but I also played Cam Newton over Drew Brees. Uh, I, I just thought, oh, the matchup, Cam Newton's going to come out and have this huge game against the Saints, and I should have known better. I just should have known better than to trust Cam Newton this year. Uh, so those are my lows, and I lost. And if I would started those guys, I would have won my matchup. It happens to everybody. Trey, what, what is your uh, Marcus Cooper senior moment? Well, for all seven of our uh, rock-solid week-in and week-out listeners out there, You've heard this low before. Um, I'm actually 0-3 now in the League of Ballers, fantasy oh. dynasty league that I commish. I had much hope heading into this season. and uh, However, I think that we're going to maybe hashtag preview a little bit about how we respond when we find ourselves in an 0-3 hole later in the podcast. But pretty disappointing in, in one of my favorite leagues to start out 0-3. And so that was, that was definitely my low light. Yeah, that's, that's tough when you, when you, when you do that with your favorite leagues. I, I have to say, even though it's not my turn again, I am undefeated <laughs> in the League of Ballers, which I'm, it was thrilling because I was one of the worst teams by far last year. Will, yeah. what, what's your, uh, your Marcus Cooper senior moment? <laughs> well, it, uh, so it's, it relates to the League of Ballers as well because uh, I went out with some friends for the very, very exciting Penn State-Iowa game. And had a, a few too many cocktails without eating enough dinner, and had a was nursing kind of a a mighty hangover on Sunday, and I'm, I'm not I'm not as young as I used to be, and so uh, I I you know thought I checked all my lineups and didn't even worry about it as the games were going on, and uh, I had Randall Cobb in my lineup in the League of Ballers, and I still won the week, but uh, just it's two weeks in a row where I've made rookie mistakes on my lineups, which is rare. Uh, this is the most teams I've had, but I've left uh, Andy Dalton in on accident for the second game of the year. And then this year I did not take out or this week. Uh, I didn't take out Randall Cobb. Yeah. It, it happens to all of us. And I'm sure people can relate <laughs> to these, these, these things happening. Uh, you gotta, you gotta be engaged, right? You gotta, it, it's a 24 seven thing. We all have busy lives, but you, you gotta, you gotta be, you have your head in the game, so to speak. So week three was interesting. And we're going to talk a little bit, a little bit about it in the context of players and performances and how certain players we think might finish the year in a segment we're calling Week 3 Freakout Moments. Freak and out! Freak out! In this segment, we're going to look at player values. Will's going to lead us to this exercise. Um, and we're going to look to last year. And we're going to – this is a good, good exercise because – where did certain players stand last year after three weeks versus where they finished after week 16 in the 2016 season? Um, so, so this should be, should be interesting, should be telling. We've talked about before on, on the show uh, where, you know, like a guy like Jay Ajayi um, last year, you could probably pick him up on waivers in some dynasty leagues or trade for him for next to nothing. And, and he, he turned out to be extremely valuable to your fantasy team. So, Will, let's talk about some of these guys. What, what did you did a lot of research on this and what did, what did your research uncover? Uh, one is was diving into it and going further, uh, further and further is I think I got a little too obsessed with the wide receivers in this group. 
I started off with a couple running backs. Uh, and I wanted to point out, too, like, as a fantasy player, I've started, I think, 0-5 is the worst start I've had to make the playoffs. And so remember, when you're 0-3, things can always get better. But don't forget, they can also get a lot worse. Uh, about probably 0-6 is probably the, uh, the turning point where you need to start figuring out what your plans are for next year. Uh, but so look, looking back at uh, week three things, the first thing that stood out to me, and it was just super interesting, I heard it, now I can't remember, I think it was, uh, they are talking about snap percentages from Mark Ingram, and he's at like 49% this year versus last year, at this point he was at 46. And so I was like, huh, I wonder what his stats were like through the last, or the first three games of last year. And uh, so, so last year, uh, he, was, he was 22nd overall in, uh, in total points at 11.7 points per game. Uh, and then finished, you know, number 10 in total points and finished at 12.9 points per game. So he's a slow starter. Uh, the, the next part is, so this year he, in ranking, isn't overly important compared to points. And this is half-point PPR. Uh, he is 21 at 9.6 points per game. And I just think that's an interesting look at when somebody gets off to a slow start when they have a new situation, that we're making assumptions that we don't know anything about yet. And it's fun. Like, I would love to read the hype train up of uh, Kamara, I was loving Peterson in the offseason, but it's, uh, he's just, I don't know, he's like slow start this year compared to last year, so remarkably similar. Uh, it, it doesn't really, really mean anything at the end because correlation doesn't mean causation, doesn't mean he's going to go off and be an RB1. But it's, uh, it, it just, I don't think the slow start is as telling as what people are taking it. So again, Ingram, if you can get him real cheap, I would totally suggest it. A, a great buy low in my opinion. Interesting. Trey, you are a, a guy I know likes Mark Ingram um, coming into this year. I, and I like him too. What are you seeing in your leagues in terms of how people are valuing Mark Ingram? Well, I haven't, <clears throat> haven't done any um, shopping of Mark Ingram in the leagues that I own him because my expectation has been that that backfield will kind of work itself out and I'm not going to panic um, early on in the season on a guy that I really believe in. So, um, and I haven't really put out any feelers to buy him. I own him in a couple leagues, and I'm just kind of riding it out and seeing where things land. I do love Alvin Kamara. I think he's going to have a role moving forward. And, um, you know, this is another one of those RBBCs I talked about in the last episode where it's just challenging. Um, I feel like every touch that they give Adrian Peterson is um, one touch too many. So my, my hope is that Ingram continues to dominate those touches. The offense continues to um, work itself out. And I think, I think getting Willie Sneed back this week could potentially help, um, although they've got to floss the pond and uh, play in London. So we'll see. I'm still I, – I, I like to see this stat. It makes me feel good about the belief that I've had in Mark Ingram. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does moving forward. I'd, I'd love to see him start breaking out a little bit. Yeah, I, I like this that we brought him up because I think you're right. A lot of things are going to change in New Orleans with Willie Sneed coming back. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Sneed back once he you know, gets up to speed, what, you know, his legs back underneath him in the offense. With AP, I, I think we've, we've kind of assumed, I think it's safe to assume that Adrian Peterson is, is going to disappear. Do you guys disagree with that? I mean, do we, do, does anyone think, uh, oh, we should buy low on him? I, I mean, that's not realistic, right? based on his age, how he's looked so far. Yeah. I've dropped, I don't, I've, I've, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I've dropped him. Uh, it was a, I mean, it was a PPR league, but and I've seen him dropped in a lot of places, but I mean, it's just his, I'm not, it wasn't an overly confident, confident drop. I just had to do it. 
because he's not producing anything. But who who knows? You know, it's it's running backs. You know, next week, uh, Ingram can go down with something, and then all of a sudden, you have somebody becoming a two down back, and a New Orleans offense uh, could be could be super valuable. Yeah, uh, but but I think with running backs, I mean, I know he's a freak of nature, and he, and he could be super valuable, but he's defined the odds already with his age and. Uh, yeah, I just I just don't see it. So I guess where I'm going with this is I think Mark Ingram uh, really could put up some huge numbers this year. I, I think we we love Kamara, but I still think he's probably a year away. So yeah, I, I like Mark Ingram. I think he's a good guy to point out and talk about. Do do we want to get into our the next guy on the list? We're going to talk about Chris Carson next, right? Will? Oh, that's Trey. Yeah. Oh, me, yes. Trey. Chris. Yeah, Carson. that's all right. So <clears throat> yeah, I put Chris Carson on here. Um, you know, this is a, a, a guy that I've been uh, kind of harping on for the last month, really since the preseason when it, you know, the offseason training camp news was that he was looking really good. Um, I don't think anybody expected things to play out that the way that they have. I've picked him up in several leagues. Um, and I really believe that this could be the first week that he has an opportunity to really dominate the touches in that backfield. I mean, he's led the backfield in touches and production every week this year. Um, I believe that CJ Procise, as of our recording on Wednesday evening, is expected to miss this weekend's game. Uh, Thomas Rawls, I think, I, I want to say he only got one snap last week. Um, and the Seahawks are 13-point favorites at home. So everything – is leading up to Chris Carson having an absolute breakout. And, and I just, you know, I, I, looking back to last season, if you look at guys that finished the season in the top 12, Jordan Howard and Jay Ajayi, I think three weeks into last season, nobody was thinking those two guys were going to end the season as top 12 running backs. Now, I'm not saying that that's where Chris Carson is going to finish, but we all know that the Seattle offense, despite having a terrible offensive line, they play good defense. They do love to run the ball. And their offense has always, under Russell Wilson, tended to get stronger as the season goes along. So it would not surprise me at all. Chris Carson is a buy now. This, this is the last opportunity. I believe he's going to have a big breakout game this week. And so I think Carson, in both redraft and dynasty, he, he could end up becoming nothing but I believe that this guy has the opportunity to lock down a workhorse role in that Seattle offense um, and I think it could start this week at home what do you what do you pay for Chris Carson Trey because I, I don't disagree with you I mean I, I, obviously there are concerns with that offensive line and if they're able, uh, if they will ever turn it around this year uh, but you know he's got a lot of hype a lot of people are talking about Chris Carson I don't know if you can really get him too cheap uh, so, so what do you pay for Chris Carson if you want to go out and get him? Well, if you really believe, like for instance, I, in the leagues that I don't own him, if I needed running back help and I was already in a position where I've started out three and zero or two and one, and I need to add a running back and he's on a team where I would probably pay a late first for him Wow! because he okay. has, he, he has shown the 10 and, and I know that might be a little hot. Obviously, I would love to get him for a second, um, or I'd love to be able to, you know, take someone, um, you know, that there's always those guys in your league that put out feelers that they're, you know, kind of eyeing uh, guys on your team that they like. So maybe you go to them and, and 
they've got Chris Carson and you try to get a package, maybe you send them, um, you know, someone that you're looking to sell and, and get Chris Carson and someone else. I mean, you know, it's, I'm not very good at just off the cuff coming up with, with trade offers, but he's a guy that I think could be acquirable. And a second may not, like, like you're saying, a second may not be enough um, to acquire him, but he's a guy that I really like to, to potentially explode in value over the next month. Fair enough. No, fair enough. Uh, Will, you want to talk any more about Chris Carson or do you want to talk about your next, next guy on the list? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on board. I mean, I have my concerns with just the Seattle offense right now. I mean, they came back against Tennessee, but uh, I, I, I like, I like Chris Carson, but unless I picked him up, I wouldn't even know what to offer him uh, to be able to get him. I definitely wouldn't, would probably be saving uh, my, my picks if I need Chris Carson as a starting running back, cause my team is probably terrible. So <laughs> Yeah, just remember, um, you know, with ProSize often getting injured and um, Thomas Rawls, I, my favorite stat, I've, I've shared it before on the show, the guy hasn't, you know, made it through a full season since high school. So Chris Carson is kind of the guy. Um, and, and if Seattle can fix that offensive line, you know, he, he could be very valuable. So, Will, who's your next guy? So I'm actually, I'm going to skip. I had, I had Tevin Coleman to talk about with everybody. Everybody knew that he blew up in the first four weeks. He had a three-touchdown game, and then he regressed the rest of the year. I actually had some other uh, uh, players that I wanted to talk about and briefly touch on, and it was when I went into this, like, uh, well, one, so uh, through the first three weeks, one person I want to key on is Duke Johnson, uh, 160 receiving yards. He's third in receiving for all running backs, and he just scored his second rushing, rushing touchdown of his career. So... I think Duke Johnson is getting more and more involved in that offense. He works really well with Deshaun Kaiser and, or sorry, sorry, Duke Johnson works really well in that offense. Uh, is working well with Kaiser and not. He's, he's a guy that I've, I've liked in the past and I was super worried about the Crowell versus, you know, Johnson conversations and things like that. But, uh, you know, the, the cream rises to the top and I, I, I like Duke Johnson moving forward. What do you guys think? As far uh, as like a buy. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I oh, like what is what what is he worth? Um, no, I think you're I think you're right. I, I you know I, I have to say I, I was big going into the year on Isaiah Crowell, and I, I think the hype on Crowell just got way too overboard. But early on in the off season, you know, I saw potential there, and maybe he can turn it around. I, I guess, but you're right. If you if you look at what Duke Johnson has done this year, he seems to be you know the, the guy. Possibly the guy to own, especially with all the targets he's getting. There's no one else to throw the ball to on that on Cleveland Browns team right now. And, you know, I hyped Richard Higgins, and maybe I still have a little bit of hope for him. But, you know, he's not really the answer there. It doesn't appear. Um, even if he's viable, there's still plenty of targets for, for Duke Johnson. Uh, Kenny Britt, I mean, look how inefficient he was. And, and I know Kaiser wasn't exactly the most accurate quarterback. So, no, I, I like Duke Johnson. I think you're right. I think he's a guy you maybe could get for a second rounder that might be worth it. Uh, you know, in, in certain leagues, you can at least offer or, or maybe some, you know, uh, wide receiver three that's on your bench that you're never going to play. I like it. I like that take. Trey, what do you think? You also like Crowell like I did. So what, what are your thoughts on Duke Johnson? Yeah, I think that, first of all, just hitting real quickly on Crowell, I'm very interested to see how he does in the next week or two because, you know, Hugh Jackson in the offseason talked about how they were, you know, basically mismanaging the way they were running the ball last year and that they weren't running the ball enough. They weren't giving the ball to Isaiah Crowell enough. And then they've come out the first three games of this year and basically done the same exact thing 
that they did last year. So I'm, I'll be interested to see what that – Isaiah Crowell is a guy that honestly could be a potential buy low depending on, um, you know, who in your league owns him and, and what they would be willing to take for him because he was a big uh, hype, like you mentioned, guy in the offseason. But I love Duke Johnson. I um, own him in a couple leagues. I'm very happy to have him. Um, I, I would say that the injury to Corey Coleman is probably what has – I mean, the talent has always been there, um, but it was just the usage and the fact that Crowell was a starter. I think that the utilization – I mean, he's just been very, very efficient in the few touches that he's gotten. So if they recognize the, the playmaking ability that he has and make a determination to get him an extra three, four, five, six touches a game, I think he's a guy that could very easily turn into one of those fringe RB1s uh, just by nature of um, – I think he's averaging like seven yards a rush this year. So he, he really has, has done a lot with very little. And so w- when they're watching film and they're looking at their uh, offensive numbers, there has to be a recognition that he's probably the best playmaker on that team as far as getting the ball in space, and they've, they've got to try and get him more touches. So – I love that take. I think he could end up being a, a league winner if he continues to get an increase in, in touches. Yeah, we'll see where he ends up. I actually wanted to, to talk about one more player before we move on uh, to your next one, Trey. And it's specifically around this, this week three kind of scenario that's happening because you're seeing players being drafted. You're seeing Peterson go on the waiver wire. You're seeing Marvin Jones. You're seeing other people. The number – or the, the person I was looking at was very curious, and his numbers were uh, – you guys remember Golden Tate last year? Remember what he did the first three weeks of the year? Yeah. And then do you remember what he did the first five weeks of the year? So he, through the first five weeks in half-point PPR, had 20.9 points total. He was waiver-wire fodder. And the only thing he did after that is he finished his WR13 from week six to 16. So he, uh, you know, he had a huge turnaround. So you look at uh, an existing kind of, you know, slot receiver in an offense where they're bringing in new weapons. And I, I just want to relate that a lot to Jameson Crowder. So Jameson Crowder was supposed to be a target hog. He was really hyped about what he was going to be doing. And uh, he, has, he has just stunk it up at the beginning of the year. He went for negative points the first game. He's had a really, really rough first three games. And I wanted to grab your guys' opinion, and I wanted to kind of, like, bounce it off you and get your immediate opinion. What, what are your feelings about Jameson Crowder? And, and can you see a little bit of the parallels that, Golden Tate had last year to what James Crowder is going through this year? Hmm. Uh, Trey, you want to lead off or you want me to go first? Yeah, I, you know, honestly, James Crowder is one of those guys that I've never completely bought into. Um, I know that, uh, you know, this offseason I saw some people calling him the, you know, poor man's Jarvis Landry, that he was going to be a big, big PPR guy. And, I mean, so far through three weeks this season, I think he's got like 13 catches and maybe just over 100 yards. Um, so I, I'm not real – you know, that whole Washington offense is just tough to figure out. Jordan Reed is just not a guy you can count on to be healthy um, and, and playing week in and week out. Um, Terrell Pryor is just a, not a guy that I've loved. He's, he's a guy that – has come over and supposedly had tons of potential. I think there was a, a lot of people that were buying into Terrell Pryor being a real weapon in Washington. And, and then you've got Crowder, who I, I think that, you know, many people expected to, you know, catch close to 100 balls this year up there. So I just don't even know if I want to own anyone in that 
passing game. Um, I guess I could say in dynasty, if you, if you've got, if you're in a PPR league and the Crowder owner is, um, you know, panicking after a, a rough start and looking to unload him, you, you may be able, if you've got someone that's got a, that's gotten off to a hot start that you're looking to unload, um, you know, Crowder could be a guy that you target. I'd, I'd say I'm probably pretty neutral on, um, on Jamison Crowder, but you know, now that you've brought up that that correlation and similarity between he and Golden Tate from last year, I'll be I'll be interested to see how he how he does moving forward. I mean, do you remember being so down on Tate last year? That's that's I guess what I want to bring up is just the the week three thing. And and uh, Ryan, I'd love to get your thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I, I remember that very well because I dropped Golden Tate in one of my leagues after I think about five weeks, <laughs> and I loved Jerry. He had four point four points per game. It's insane <laughs> and half point PPR. I, uh, yeah, yeah. So and I and you you had to do it in some instances. I needed help for my team. I needed the the roster spot. Uh, but Jamison Crowder, interesting. Let, let me ask you guys a couple of questions. So who is? Um, you, you guys will get this one. It's not a trick question. Who's averaging more fantasy points than full point PPR? Is it Jamison Crowder or is it Terrell Pryor? Uh, I'll go Pryor. Oh, I say it's Crowder. It, it, it is Crowder. It sounded like a trip question. So next question, who's averaging more Race to the bottom. full point PPR, more points, Jameson Crowder or his teammate Ryan Grant? I'll go Grant. Trey, I think yeah, I saw I it. Too. Well, you're, you're kind yeah, of right. – Ryan Grant. It, it was a trick question. They're, they're tied full point PPR, 8.1 points per game. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely an, it's an interesting, uh, interesting guy to, to target, and I certainly would think about it. Um, I, I think for the price he could get Crowder, why not? I, I think he can, can only go up. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. That Washington offense is interesting. Maybe the guy to get is Josh Doxson, actually. Uh, he, he, sh- he flashed a little bit. He's getting more and more involved in the offense. There you go. So he might be the guy I try to acquire if you can. But if someone owns him, they probably love him. I checked in a lot of my fantasy leagues to see who had him. And it was like one owner. He knows who he is. Has him in like most of my dynasty leagues. We're in the same leagues together. So, um, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know, interesting guy to, to, to think about. But I, I don't know that I'm buying that. I don't know that I'm buying that. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to go too long on, on doxing. I had him in the sheet to talk about. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess the main thing is, I mean, if you remember, if you guys remember back to our lost pilot episode of the two players that I brought up, of ones that I was really worried about, and they were Crowder and Crowell, and uh, I think they could be the classic case though of being just slow start, a slow start, and then the, all their team gets it together. Like the the Washington offense hasn't looked good besides Chris Thompson, who somehow just like scores tutties all the time now. Uh, and I think that was very similar to the Detroit offense minus uh, Marvin Jones was the WR one over three weeks last year. So anyway. All right, Will, you got a few more names you want to drop? Yeah. After, after talking about Crowder and Tate, it got me all hyped up to look for other wide receivers last year that were just so far behind in the first three weeks. that you didn't even know they existed. I remember picking these guys up off the waiver wire in dynasty and redraft. I doubt in like, is is a, is a pretty uh, newer dynasty league. So maybe you're in your, uh, in your deeper ones and you're more well-seasoned. They probably weren't around, but uh, the guys, the guys that I really wanted to talk about, I have to actually kind of flip back on here a second. Uh, one was uh, uh, looking at Tyrell Williams. So after the first three weeks, you had Keenan Allen go down. You, you didn't know what that wide receiver core was going to do. I actually picked him up and dropped him in the offseason after like they had like a little article about him and him wanting to run routes better and things like that. He was wide receiver thirty five after three weeks, and then from weeks uh, four to sixteen in half point PPR, he was wide receiver sixteen. Uh, 
There's also, so Tyreek Hill was basically off the map the first three weeks, and he's a very, very different case. But if you had your eye on him, and even your redraft or dynasty leagues, so the first three weeks, he was very, very far behind Garrett. I can't remember exactly where he was, but he was like 80th or something. And then from weeks four to 16, he was wide receiver 12 and a half point PPR. These wide receivers, it's, it's a little insane how uh, much depth was on the waiver wire last year in redraft leagues and potentially in dynasty leagues as well. The last one I want to touch on, I can talk about a little bit later, was Adam Thielen. Uh, he, was, he was wide receiver 15 and a half point PPR uh, weeks four through 16 last year. Uh, it's, uh, I'll talk about him a little bit later in the evening on the show, but he's, uh, it definitely, you had these just like such examples of don't, don't give up on guys that you think can produce if they've done a little bit. And that's where Josh Doxon was going to come up and maybe some other players. But if you have a hunch about somebody and they've done a little bit, uh, don't, don't be afraid to pick them up and stash them because look at these guys. They came out of nowhere for the most part and redraft and dynasty. They're probably on people's rosters, but they were huge wins for people. So if you have a hunch, go out and get some of these guys. Yeah, and, and for those of you listening and, and you're, you're in a very deep league and names like this weren't available, you know, just keep in mind, you, you can always trade for players you see maybe emerging. Maybe you think Ryan Grant's going to emerge in Washington. Maybe he's the guy to own in, in Washington. Um, you can make trades. You can get some of these guys for nothing. A guy like Ryan Grant, you could probably you know, send a third or fourth rounder to pick him up, right? So the waiver wire and just – taking advantage of, of your league mates that, that want to pick up some picks, pick up some assets. Trey, any, I just well, want, Oh, sorry. I just wanted this to be an example of don't be afraid to go with some hunches. If you've seen, if you've seen a flash out of somebody that you really like, it's okay to go for it. If you're wrong, like it's not going to cost you a season, you know? Right. A guy like this is at the bottom of your roster. Who cares? Right. Trey, you, you were about to say something. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I, I, I put two other guys on this list I wasn't going to really go into, but I'll throw them out because these are guys that, you know, just depending on your league, maybe whoever owns them isn't real high on them. And it's Keenan Allen and Des Bryant. And, you know, both of these guys, like Des Bryant, I think somewhere in the mid-30s right now in half PPR, he's only got two catches in two of his first three games. Uh, but he's a guy that I think he scored 12 touchdowns in his last 14 games with Dak. And so I really anticipate – He's a guy with some early season matchups that have been pretty tough. Um, the schedule starts to get a little bit better here in the coming weeks. He, he's a guy that if somebody is kind of souring on him, he, he's someone you might be able to obtain uh, for 50 cents, 70 cents on the dollar. And then Keenan Allen, I mean, the guy's tied for fifth in the league for targets right now with 29. The only knock about Keenan Allen is his health. When he has been healthy, he has produced. So, you know, I guess it's a, a good thing that three games into the season now, obviously not, he's not um, completely out of the woods. There's still a lot of football to be played. But he's currently wide receiver 13 in PPR. And I really don't feel like he's valued that way. In some of the trade discussions I've had in a couple of leagues where I'm really deep at wide receiver and, and looking to add an impact running back, um, the guys that I've kind of approached, they're just not interested in Keenan Allen. And so it kind of got me thinking, you know, maybe the, the Keenan Allen – and I guess if someone owns Keenan Allen, like I do in a lot of leagues, it's because they believe in him. But these are guys that you could go out and, and look to obtain. Um, maybe you can get him a little bit cheaper than uh, – and I think those are both guys. They're going to have really, really strong seasons. One, the whole uh, 2017 season is said and done. That beard, though, it's disgusting. <laughs> Don't grow out a Keenan Allen beard just because you're a fan of Keenan Allen. It looks good on no one. Beards are amazing. 
You should get extra fantasy points for having an awesome beard. <laughs> you should get extra fantasy points for having patchy facial hair. <laughs> On that note, Hot let's, let's move into a segment we're calling Dynasty Strategy. This is just a segment where we're, we're going to talk more, <laughs> more trades. We're going to so talk original. We're going to talk strategy to, city. We're going to talk facial hair strategies for the rest of the football season. Uh, Clean cut. Team, team building, etc. And this week we're going to talk about what teams should do if they're three and zero, and on the flip side of that, what you should do if your dynasty team is zero and three. So it, it's interesting, right? Because you know th- this is a pivotal moment in the season. Seemingly, you're three and zero. You're a contender. Uh, oh, you know, I got to go out and make my team stronger, make some deals, or should you? You're 0-3, it's hopeless, sell Le'Veon Bell for a, a first-round pick next year, or, or should you do that? So, so, Trey, why don't you lead off the discussion? What are your thoughts? Let's first of all talk about teams that are 3-0. and So you're 3-0, and you should just sell your first-round picks next year for, uh, for players that can help you now, right? Chris okay. Carson. Chris Carson, baby. <laughs> no, I, you know what? And I know this is going to sound crazy, but it's 100% true. You should do the same exact thing, whether you're 3-0, or whether you're 0-3. And it's the same thing that you should do every single week for every single dynasty team that you own, and that is evaluate your team. So you're 3-0. That's awesome. That's wonderful. But you know what? You could just as easily be 3-5 and after week 8. Same thing if you're 0-3. A big deal. You're 0-3. You could very easily be 5-3 and after week 8. Evaluate your team. Because there are 3-0 and teams out there that are not very good. And just in the same way, there are 0-3 teams that actually are very talented. They have just gotten off to a poor start. So I think the most important thing, no matter how you've started, is evaluate your team honestly. And if you need to, one of the best ways to do that is take a look at some rest-of-season ranks. for Whether it's a dynasty league or redraft league, look at the rest-of-season ranks for redraft right now and where are the players on your team and if so if you've got a litany of players in the top 10 top 15 top 20 at every position and you're 0 and 3 it's not time to start panicking it's time to stay the course hit the waiver wire Um, but but I would say the most important thing we're talking specifically right now about teams that are 3 and 0 is don't just rest on your laurels let's say you're 3 and 0 and you do have a good team You've got Kareem Hunt. You've got some of these guys that are performing that maybe you picked up in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Maybe, maybe you had several first-round um, picks in the rookie draft this past year, and you've got a Dalvin Cook and a Kareem Hunt. Maybe you've got Leonard Fournette, and, and he's producing for you. The key is don't rest on your laurels. See if you can take a couple guys on your bench that maybe starters for another team that aren't really starting for you. And see if you can combine a couple of them and add a guy like a Pierre Garçon or maybe a Larry Fitzgerald, someone that can be a steady, solid starter for you, some, a veteran maybe that's, that's you know, another team's down on. And then I will tell you, go knocking. If you're 3-0, and go knocking on the doors of the teams that are 0-3 and see if they're ready to blow it up. They shouldn't be, but if they're going to blow it up and they're going to start offloading elite talent for future picks – go for it. I'm all, I'm all about it. I wouldn't do it myself if I were them, but if they're going to do it, you might as well be the one to take advantage. 
Yeah, I, I like that idea. And if nothing else, it establishes that relationship. Um, so you should have relationships with other owners in the league already. But at least if you're aggressive and you say, "Hey, just checking in as hero and three, you're gonna go, you're gonna go for it this year. Or are you gonna like hold steady and see if you can compete?" <laughs> and, and, and then they'll say, "Oh, I'm gonna 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 you know say the course." Then you can say, "Well, hey." If you decide you're going to sell a certain player or players, talk to me. Let's let's work out a deal because because I want to buy. So I think that's a that's a great great thought. Um, Will, what, what do you think about this three and O team? What do you what are you doing with your three and O teams? Oh, if I only had one. No, I, I <laughs> actually. So we we talked about this earlier, and I think I've been three and O, and not in, probably not in the dynasty league, but uh, it's it's not really important. I really like Trey's take on it, and I was kind of deferring to like just the honest look at your team. Uh, and and then kind of shop it around and see what you can get. The thing is, it's, it's just three weeks, and it's in Dynasty is such like you know so much deeper rosters, such a bigger bench. There's just so much more going on. Where it you know fantasy, as everybody says, is a weekly game. Uh, it is literally it is literally a weekly game, and it's harder to do that in Dynasty though because you can screw yourself in the future years if you make a move to try to win one week. So you kind of have to weigh the uh, weigh the odds and things like that. Uh, I usually go to teams that are 0-3, though, and I go, hey, would you like me to help you dig your grave? Because I would love your pick, and I will give you, uh, you, know, you know, somebody who, who's, who's older and, like, tanking or something like that to try to save your team. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I try to be as nice as possible during trades. We currently have a, a rap battle going on in the background uh, discussing Le'Veon Bell and his dynasty value, who he probably won't even be on the Steelers next year, so he's probably sell, sell high right now, huh? We're, we're going to talk about that in a second. We're not to the 0-3 teams yet. Which I own one of them. Uh, I want to talk about what if you look at your – this is good, looking at your roster. You look at your roster, and you see your 3-0 and team really stinks. Uh, you've just gotten lucky so far. Um, you know, you, uh, uh, you, you have uh, Chris Thompson and, and Tariq Cohen, for example, as your RB1 and 2, and you've been plugging them in, and they've been great. And you've had some – performances from, from sort of wide receivers. You had some desperation plays that paid off. Um, and, and you know that you're just not going to win your league. Maybe, maybe you'll get lucky and get into the playoffs, but you're not really a contender, but you have this 3-0 record. What do you do with a team like that? Do you think about uh, you know, selling some assets, or do you think just stay the course because you never know what's going to happen? Yeah, that. so for me, if I'm 3-0, and I have a team like this right now, I'm 3-0 in a league. And I don't feel like I'm among the top three or four teams in that league, but I'm, I'm not a terrible team. I'm probably middle of the road. I don't have a lot of depth, um, but I, I kind of like my starting lineup. And so in that particular league, I've actually tried to shop a couple of the guys that I have that are kind of peaking in value. And the guys that you just mentioned, you know, your Chris Thompson's, your Tree Cohen's, those are great guys. If you feel like you need to strengthen your team, you know, maybe there's a guy that's been watching them. Just float some offer, float some, put some feelers out there. You know, maybe there's someone, you know, a week ago, you could have probably traded guys like that and maybe added another small piece and gotten a Jordan Howard. And now Jordan Howard looks like he's getting back on track. So maybe there's some guys out there that are struggling. I would never at 3-0 and look at my team. And even if my honest assessment was that, it stink, that I stink, I mean, the fact, most of these leagues run 13 weeks. So having – I've made the playoffs so many times with a 7-6 and six team. So you only need four wins in the next 10 weeks to make the playoffs. And you guys know as well as I do. Ryan, you know because you and I played in a league last year where you uh, 
uh, made the playoffs at six and seven. Yeah. I made the playoffs at I think eleven and two, and you destroyed me in the championship game. You had a good team, so I mean, once you make the playoffs, all bets are off. So I would continue to try. It's the same thing I think you should do every single week. Look at your team and see, you know, who is it that maybe is at their peak value right now that you could flip for someone that's at a depressed value where you feel like in the grand scheme of things, you're making an overall improvement to your team. Um, I think that's kind of how I'd go about that. Yeah. I, I love the story. I love the story. That's uh, Oh, like, like Ryan, remember how terrible your team was and you barely squeaked in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, you destroyed hey, me. Remember, oh, remember, no, how great my te- remember, remember how great my team was. And then I lost. Yeah. No, oh, no, 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 yeah, that was pretty sweet. And, and you know, th- just to add to that story, you know, I worked on that team too. I didn't give up on the team. I worked the yeah. waiver wire, you know, made offers. So that's the thing. Just don't don't give up. And, and it, maybe it's easier to to work your way back in a redraft league. I think it certainly is with the with the waiver wire. Uh, and, and I think more people are 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 going to give up in, in your redraft league. But the same with dynasty. You can still you can still make deals, make offers. Just just work hard. Work at it. You know, make make smart lineup changes. Study. Um, I think working hard, just outwork your opponents, and you can have success. Sometimes it's just about outworking. You know, don't go out on a Saturday night and get so drunk you forget to set your lineup correctly. Right, Will? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. When Iowa plays a game like they did against Penn State, uh, all bets are off because that does not happen very often. We lost in the last play. Anyway, uh, the, the other thing I'd say is uh, it, it's always I, – I, I'm uh, – uh, and you can ask – Basically, anybody who knows who knows me well is I am a glutton for holding out hope, and so with all my teams, I will hold out hope until the very, 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 very last second. Uh, and I think that's what you should do a little bit. And you should be honest with the team what you're doing. But uh, what was what was the Saints running back's name two years ago that won people fantasy championships? Uh, Hightower. 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 You don't think you don't think you don't think he was available going into the playoffs in your fantasy in your dynasty league? You think somebody was, was rostering Hightower? Uh, that, I mean, that'd be a really really deep dynasty league. And so, I guess I guess my thing is like I'm not ever uh, I won't count out ever you know getting lucky. Yeah, there's a lot of luck to do fantasy football sometimes. Uh, let's transition to the zero and three team. Um, I have one zero and three team. And on this 0-3 team, I have basically a bunch of guys that are injured, uh, like A-Rob, like Edelman, who lost in the preseason. Um, guys each week can continue to get injured. You know, Rob Kelly, oh, he's, he's out for a game. But I do have Le'Veon Bell. Uh, so in a league like that, where I know, I know my team is not going to compete this year, but I'm optimistic I can compete next year. Um, I try to know what you're going to say. Sell Le'Veon Bell to your team. But, but what, what should I do? What should I do? I'm 0-3. And I know realistically, I just have too many guys that are out. Um, uh, and and I, I need some youth on that team. But at the same time, I think I could compete next year with those guys coming back, with, especially with Le'Veon Bell, assuming he has the same value next year that he does this year. And he could sign with you know, Cleveland or something, and maybe he wouldn't. So what do you think, Trey? Yeah, I think if it, in that instance, like you're talking about, where you're in a dynasty league, it's a 12-team league, there's some, some you know, pretty solid teams in the league, and you're already 0-3. You've lost you know, a, a stud or multiple studs on your team to injury. You know, that, that's probably a team where I would start to evaluate who on that roster has short-term value. 
you know, it's, it's not like completely blowing it up because like you said, Le'Veon Bell is an asset that unless you just really get multiple pieces that could make your team significantly better in the long run, you're probably going to hold on to those types of pieces. Um, but, but anyone I'd say probably over the age of 26 or 27, uh, maybe a little older at wide receiver, you know, like a guy like Demarius Thomas, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, some of those guys that have really great opportunities to produce, but maybe they don't have the same uh, length of production still left. Those are guys that contenders will overpay for. I, in a league last year, um, I sold Frank Gore right around this time. I, I, had, a, I had lost Keenan Allen to injury. Um, I had uh, both DeAndre Hopkins and Allen Robinson. They were doing terrible. And I had gotten Frank Gore. I sold Frank Gore for a first-round pick. So there are teams at this point that are competitive or maybe they feel like they're one piece away from being competitive that will overpay for pieces to try to make their team better. So I would say take those, you know, smaller intermediate pieces that you think you could kind of take or leave as far as having on your team for next year and see if you can't, especially don't forget this guys in your super flex leagues, first round picks are even more valuable because you've got next year three or four quarterbacks that are going to be first round caliber. And so instead of having, you know, maybe only one quarterback taken in the first round, there's going to be four quarterbacks taken, which are going to push those top end wide receiver and running backs down. So the 10th and 11th and 12th round pick um, in the first round in a super flex league is still going to have some value. You may get a guy that's top three or top four in his position. So um, I think it's always worth evaluating and seeing if you can add some first round picks or, you know, add some, some uh, maybe other injured starters. Yeah. I love that. So, good, good thoughts. So I have, I have a question. Uh, let's say, let's say you're three and oh, in a dynasty league, but you're kind of, we get running back and there's a team that's zero and three that has Chris Carson, 14 team, full PPR, super flex. What would you give up for him? Fourteen team super flex. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like let's say your running backs are Theo Riddick and Alvin Kamara? <laughs> oh, gee. Full PPR. Yeah. You know, honestly, I would. I, I, here's the thing. You guys know. You you guys have played in leagues with me. I love first round picks in the right situation in the right setting. Um, but at the same time. If I can give a first-round pick, if I feel like I have a chance to win the title, and I feel like adding – if I believe in Chris Carson, which I do, that he can become a a top 12, top 15 type running back, and adding a running back of that caliber to my team could be the difference in me making the playoffs, I would be willing to give a late first-round pick. Having just said, you know, that in these super flex leagues, especially 14-team, 14-team super flex leagues, quarterbacks are even more valuable – but I'm, I'm never afraid to pay draft picks to acquire team, a player that I think is going to help me win this year. So I, I would be willing to at least explore it. Maybe see if you can get their second or, you know, see if you can get something back in return, a smaller piece back in return. You know, maybe a rookie that you kind of think highly of that just hasn't had a shot this year that, that maybe you can get added into the deal. Yeah, I, I mean, I would probably try to shop one of my – you know, wide receivers that um, maybe they're French starters for, maybe they're flex starting wide receivers, since you probably have some assets at that position first. But yeah, I like the idea of if you need to, I, I'm with Trey. 
Yeah, I mean, I think a general rule of thumb is that you want to. I don't like to to trade those those picks, and especially right now in the year, because I don't think first round picks are ever worth less than they are now. They can only go up in value, in my opinion. Um, so I hate to give up a, a a first round pick or second round pick now. That being said, if if I've got a team and they can compete, and I talk to the zero and three guy, and he's got some nice assets, and and even if I have to overpay, I'm willing to do it in, in the right situation. You just have to. Judge your league, judge your roster. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I think. Well, uh, I, specific, I specifically brought that up because we are in a league where I am 0-3 and own Chris Carson, and Trey is 3-0 and and have those two running backs as starting running backs in oh, full yeah. PPR. And I think I just got myself a first-round pick, right, guys? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I knew, I knew exactly where you were going there. I knew exactly where you were going. And, and what I didn't say, because my f- very first thought was in a full PPR league, if Theo Riddick and Alvin Kamara are my starting running backs, I'm completely happy. Yeah, I was actually right. thinking the same thing. That, that's, not, that's not awful. That's not awful. Um, oh, they're horrible, and you need Chris Carson. He's the savior <laughs> of all running backs. Well, when DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, and Jarvis Landry are my receivers, and Gronk's my tight end, I'm actually feeling fairly decent rolling a couple PPR specialists out at running back my we, we, we may need to dedicate a whole episode to Gronk fandom. Okay. We need to do it quickly before he's gone for the season. Oh, come on. That's not right. It's yeah. happening. <laughs> is, is it? Did wait, he get wait. hurt last game? Or did we, he just crush touchdowns? We, we are not at that part of the show yet, guys. I have one more question. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Before we move on, I got to take – We can cut that out. Yeah, no, no, we're not cutting it out. We're going to keep this on course. My, here's my last question. Um, it is, or just a point I want to make. I want to see what you guys think. I think a sneaky thing to do is to look at teams that are three and zero and two and one, regardless of what your record is. And if you think that team, you look at the roster and you think that you know that three and zero, you know, record is is just kind of a joke. And they they really lucked into that to target their number one picks and make them offers and be aggressive that way. Because I, I think you can get, you know, maybe some some really early first round picks or mid first round picks from the guy that, that overvalues his team. And that's natural. I mean, if you have a three and team, it, it's hard to honestly look at it and think to yourself like, wow, I really looked into this. Um, so I, I think that's a sneaky strategy too. look at teams that have great records that you don't think are going to finish very well and target those first rounders. What do you guys think of that strategy? Yeah. Look, look for their weaknesses. Are, did they have, you know, a couple lucky weeks. Is somebody riding on Chris Carson right now in that league? And that's why they're 3-0 and and the rest of their running back depth is, is pretty poor. But they're, they're sitting pretty everywhere else. And they're like, oh, I'm 3-0. and uh, I can do this. And, you know, maybe you send them somebody. And I, I know we joked about Chris Carson in a sense. But, like, Chris Carson could be, an, you know, he could be that key cog for their team. Uh, but, er, you, you know, it's, it's worth the gamble to you to send that away to maybe, maybe it won't be uh, because you don't feel that their team is, you know, ready to go. But just don't tell them that when you're offering the trade. <laughs> Hey, man, I think you're in a tank. Would you like this player for your first rounder? <laughs> Honestly, is the best policy, is it not? Trey? No, not in, not in that <laughs> case, it's not. <laughs> in that case, listen, I've made many a trades where I w- wasn't going to be completely honest about players I was selling because I didn't believe they were going to continue to produce at the level they had. So, you know, full disclosure is not something that I feel is completely necessary when completing dynasty trades. I do like your idea, though. I mean, I am – I love trading. I'm super active in trading. I've won a lot of trades. I've lost some trades. Um, I've, you know, overvalued draft picks. I've undervalued draft picks. 
Um, I've been on every side of the trading um, scenario, but I will tell you that in dynasty leagues, the way that you get better is making trades. I mean, the waiver wire, occasionally you can find a gem, but the biggest way, if your team is not very good right now or your team's struggling, the best way that you're going to be better in three weeks, six weeks, six months, or a year is by winning some trades and, and make, taking some chances, finding guys that you believe in that are being undervalued, finding guys that you own that are overvalued that you can sell kind of at a high point. Sure, you're going to get some of that wrong. Uh, but if you can get, you know, two out of three or three out of four right, um, you're going to – I mean, the, the best dynasty teams that I have right now that I own six months ago or 12 months ago weren't nearly as good as they are now. They're, they're, they're good now because I was able to capitalize on some trades, either first-round picks, guys that were hurt, um, and I've been able to build them to where they are now by making smart trades and being a very active and, and very um, strategic trading partner in my leagues. Yeah, and trading is fun too. And it's, it's time-consuming, and that's one of the tough things about it. But, you know, it's good to dedicate a little bit of time to try to trade. Um, and that's one way, place you can have an advantage, even if you're busy. Like, I'm a busy guy. I have a very busy, you know, d- day job, very busy career. I've got, I've got a family, wife and kids. Um, and I think sometimes I'm at a disadvantage because there are people that have more free time than me. Uh, but, but just like we talked about earlier when I won that championship and I, I know business winning because I outworked um, a lot of other owners, it's the same thing with trading. You know, you, you got to work at it. And you have to have a strategy too. Um, you don't just want to go out willy-nilly and not think about it and, oh, I like this guy. I'm going to get him on my team. It, you, you really do have to look at your team and, 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 and look, you honestly assess it and then figure out what you want to do. And then make some trades. Take, you know, take some risks. Uh, overpay for Dotson if you think he's going to be Washington's wide receiver one, for example. Um, any, any closing thoughts here we, uh, um, b- before we move on? Because um, the three of us could talk trades and strategies all night. <laughs> and we'll talk more about trades in future episodes. But any, any closing thoughts? Or do you guys want uh, to get into the next segment? I just haven't gotten to chime on this trade talk. Because uh, you know, I just love to trade. I think tra- like, trading is almost like a passion. And it's a fun. It's one of the reasons to be in leagues. I'm not in a dynasty league to have the same roster for four years and just get new draft picks. I want to talk to people. I want to make some deals. I'll entertain any deal. And I'll tell you if we're not close or anything like that. But... At the end of the day, if you have a gut feeling about somebody and you've done research, like don't my, my thing is like don't be afraid to feel like you overpaid a little bit if you think you're gonna be right. You gotta trust what you're doing. And if you're wrong, at least you enjoyed having that person and betting on them. And like fantasy football is about enjoyment. Like, you know, we're we're not in dynasty leagues where we have thousand dollars on the table, you know, for your entry fee. You're not you're not you know, you're not you're not playing with people that are you know are gonna lose their livelihoods because you beat them in the fantasy championship. So make it fun too. Yeah, and it can really add to your enjoyment of your league. Like in the um, the Empire League that Will and I are in, I had an awful team last year. And um, but 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 tr- tr- making some some trades that benefited my team that was some of the highlights of, of the year, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I, 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 for example, I traded Chris Ivory for JHI, um, which was lucky on my part to a certain extent because um, that owner had uh, I think TJ Yaldon, and, and he wanted the Jacksonville backfield, so I, I lucked into that deal. But, but things like that are just a lot of fun to talk about. And it's fun. Trading's fun. So if you're not doing it, uh, you're, not, you're probably not doing Dynasty right. And, and we're going to move into a new segment we're calling the Twitter handle to follow of the week. And one of the reasons I wanted to throw this segment into the show 
is to talk about Will, uh, our very own Will Greenwood, his Twitter handle. Will, do you even know your Twitter handle off the top of your head? Uh, it's FFJoe underscore Will. No, it's but, at, nice. at Fantasy Joe underscore at, Will. At, dang it. <laughs> Fantasy Joe underscore Will. So, Will, and he doesn't apologize for this. He, he has this lack of presence on Twitter. And he's been asking us about guys to, to follow. Uh, if you're not on Twitter, I think you're doing yourself a disservice because there's so many intelligent uh, people on there that do great work, great research. One of them is our follow of the week, at Graham Barfield. Um, and we're going to tweet that out from the at FF Joe's account, our Twitter follow of the week. Um, and this, this tweet that we're going to highlight was um, uh, Cincinnati Bengals RB snaps. So week, weeks one and two, Gio Bernard, 50% of RB snaps. Joe Mixon, 30%. Week three, with a new offensive coordinator, Joe Mixon, 56% of snaps. Gio Bernard, 21% of snaps. So with that, guys, um, just Wait, did he'll go up. Did he'll go up in that scenario? Because that's seventy-seven percent to eighty. So he'll get an extra three percent in that. Um, it, I guess it's possible. But let's fo- let's let's focus on Joe Mixon here. That's the story, right? Um, going up in snaps. Unless you want to advocate for Jeremy Hill, <laughs> never. I, I mean, I, you know, people are talking about Mixon. This is this probably isn't the hottest take you're going to hear on the show tonight. Certainly isn't. But I think all three of us, tell me if I'm incorrect, we see um, the light. We see Joe Mixon starting to emerge this week against Cleveland. Do we not? Ray? Yeah, absolutely. I talked about him before. He's a guy that I love. He's a guy that I uh, took in several rookie drafts. Um, I thought that he um, just needed the opportunity. I know that if you look at his yards per carry, yards per carry don't always tell the story. I mean, if you watch that game, the fourth quarter when the game was coming down to the final minutes and Cincinnati was driving, uh, Joe Mixon was getting all the touches. He was in on first and second down. He was in on third down. He was in on third and long. I mean, he was getting all the touches. So he looks like a guy, the offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor. I think you had mentioned this, Ryan, actually, in one of our group chats, that that Bill Lazor has always kind of tended to prefer a workhorse back. That's right. Joe Mixon is uber talented. I think that um, Giovanni Bernard is going to continue to have a role. He is not going away. And I actually believe down the stretch when you get in bye weeks, he's going to be startable as a flex because he's going to – there will be games where he'll catch five or six passes and score a touchdown. But this is Joe Mixon's backfield moving forward. If you have not bought him, if you've not acquired Joe Mixon, it's probably too late. I still believe that, you know, going into next season, Joe Mixon could be a top six or top eight dynasty running back. He's not there right yet. So I still think if you really love Joe Mixon, there's not many more weeks where you're going to be able to acquire him without just paying through the nose. So – I love Joe Mixon moving forward. I'm excited to see him finally get the opportunity. He's got a good matchup this week. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. Will, Joe Mixon, thoughts? Oh, yeah. I like Joe Mixon quite a bit. It was fun to see him get some more stats. He's just a more exciting player. And to see him kind of, like, evolve. He's super young, too. I mean, he's the same. I mean, Chris McCaffrey is also, like, I think, like a very similar age. But to come out in, into the NFL at 20, for these running backs, you have, you have like, Elliott and those guys. It's just, like, they're going to make some some boneheaded errors when you don't have the offensive line of the Cowboys. 
And so he got super excited for that third down play and his foot slipped and he went down and you're going to have to survive some of that. Like as an owner, it doesn't really hurt. I mean, it's not going to kill you, uh, but it's, it's just kind of like, you know, he's rooting for the guy. You feel bad for it. Uh, I, I would think I, I've been super impressed with what Mixon has done on the field and what he's been able to accomplish. I just have no idea about the, the Bengals in, in one week with that offensive coordinator, but dynasty-wise, totally bought in. Now it's time to move into everyone's favorite part of the show. You know what it is. Yeah. It is our hot, bold, spicy takes of the week. And we have, re- we have revised a segment, everybody, our, our seven loyal listeners out there. What we have done is we have established five levels of hot, bold, spicy takes. You've got your banana pepper. You've got your jalapeno. You've got your habanero. You've got ghost pepper. And then finally, you've got your Carolina Reaper, baby. <laughs> what, what we're going to do is one, one of the Joes will, will give a take, and then the other two Joes will assess the heat level of that take. Gentlemen, are you ready? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I, I'll get the honor of going first. My first hot take is this. I think that Tariq Cohen is going to score more fantasy points than Ty Montgomery on Thursday night. Why do I think Ooh. this? Um, I, I think actually the Bears D has done a really good job of handling um, guys like, um, like Le'Veon Bell. He, you know, in, in terms of uh, how he did receiving, he was 6-37, which is okay. Um, but, I, but I think the, the Bears defense has done a decent job of handling opposing running backs this year. And also, they're going to remember, he shredded the Bears last year. Ty Montgomery, the reason people even thought about drafting him this year is because what he did against the Bears. 22.6 fantasy points the first game, and then 30.3 uh, fantasy points per game, PPR format last year. So Ty Montgomery has had the Bears number until Thursday night, gentlemen. Um, and the Green Bay Packers will meet a guy that's going to terrorize them for many, many years, Tariq Cohen. So my hot take, Tariq Cohen scores more fantasy points than Ty Montgomery this Thursday night at Lambeau. What do you think, guys? How do you assess that? Your excitement level was Carolina Reaper. <laughs> and I, I just am so appreciative of that. It was amazing. I liked listening to the whole part of that. Uh, I, think I'll, I think I'll give it the, the three. I'll give it the three, out of, the three out of five peppers. Okay. So you're wow. sitting at... I was hoping for a little spicier than that. How about here? I mean, come on, Ty Montgomery torched the Bears last year. You don't think he's going to do it on Thursday night? What do you think, Trey? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, so I and I just <laughs> I I just looked it up, and so and it's so funny because I think you know we we did we failed to mention that we're assigning points to each of these levels, points one through five, and as we get these right, we'll um, actually get those points, and so we're going to keep a, a an ongoing season long total so there's a little bit of a com- competitive portion that's right or a that's competitive right. component of this um now so you know i think like right now um ty montgomery and ppr is averaging 18 points a game and Tariq cohen is averaging 12.4 so it's a six point difference so i i mean i think that uh habanero is probably right on the money i think i think on a scale of hotness you know, three out of five is probably just about right there. And I say that only because I do think that there's going to potentially be a negative game script here for the Bears. I do think that the Packers are going to win this game. And so I do think that Tariq Cohen could catch 10 passes in this game very, very uh, realistically. 
So I, I do think that what he may not get in yards and touchdowns, he could make up for with catches. Um, so I, I think that that gives him a little bit better chance. It's a hot take, though. Don't I mean it's it's no banana pepper. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Trey. Wh- what about you? What's your first hot take? So my first hot take again. You know, this is a guy. I think people that are listening are going to get sick of me saying the name Chris Carson. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, Chris Carson's here. He's here to stay. He's going to begin to really assert himself as a not just a flex worthy. Uh, candidate, but a guy that you can actually start as a running back too. Um, I think with the positive game script that I mentioned earlier in the episode this week, my hot take is that Chris Carson, I originally was going to say top 10, but that kind of bit me last week with the Deshaun Jackson and Jameis Winston, although Jameis just didn't perform well. But, you know, when I say top 10, if there's several running backs that kind of just go off, it makes it tough. So I decided I'm going to do Chris Carson is going to score 18 or more points in half PPR format. All right. Hmm. You know, I think that's jalapeno. I, I, I don't know that that's super hot um, based on the competition he'll be facing this week and, and based on the lack of options. I, I know that Seattle offensive line is, is horrible, but I don't know. I, I think a jalapeno. What, what do you think, Will? Yeah, it's a the it's it's hard because the it's the Colts. It's like if if he scores a couple touchdowns, uh, so mm, it's hard because the offensive line is so bad. Uh, I actually, I'm, in, I'm I'm unfortunately I'm just gonna, I'm going to agree with you and and go jalapeno. All right, Trey. So jalapeno, jalapeno take. Uh, but not bad, not bad. It's it's not it's not it's not banana pepper, not banana pepper. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see if if Will's got a banana pepper take for us. You got you got something banana pepper something hotter. Well, I just switched up a little bit because I wanted to get my weekly one in here first, and I had to change up a little bit of the wording. But uh, it's uh, I'm looking forward to watch uh, who's who's slowly becoming like one of my guys, uh, Jordan Matthews for the Buffalo Bills. I think he's going to snag his first touchdown this week. Finishes a top 15 wide receiver in half-point PPR. And I can go on later about it, but I think he's going to step it up from here. And you're going to see him finish from, from – so from starting week four to week 16, he's going to be a top 22 wide receiver in half-point PPR. Hmm. Okay. If he's, so, on, if he's on your waiver wire, go out and get him. So the, so the rules of this, Will, is that we are – uh, we're, we're focused on this week the, with, with the with the new format. We'll talk about our season long. All right, all right, all right. So, so basically, I'll get out. No, 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 no. So your 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 take is that Jordan Matthews is going to get his first touchdown this week and finish a top fifteen wide receiver and half point PPR this week. Yep. All right, all right. Uh, Trey, what do you think? You you go first here. We'll assess the 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 hotness of this. Yeah, I think that Jordan Matthews finishing as a top 15 wide receiver this week is ghost pepper. I mean, I love Jordan Matthews. I do think that he's going to start to step it up a little bit. I mean, you're talking about a guy who came over basically towards the end of the preseason um, is playing with an an offense that is fairly new to him. So I do think that he's going to step it up. He's a guy that I really do like. I really do um, think is going to have some serious value moving forward. But this week, top 15 – I, that's that's pretty hot. That, I mean, that would be ghost pepper for me. I tend to agree with that. Ghost pepper is pretty pretty good assessment. That's pretty hot. 
That's pretty odd. That yeah, was- I mean, I think you guys would just believe the wide receiver whisperer over here now. <laughs> T.Y. Hilton. Well, I hope you're right because my uh, – we're, so we're doing two hot takes each uh, this evening. And my last one, which I think is, is, is extremely hot, is the Bills over the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. They're nine-and-a-half-point underdogs, gentlemen. Um, why am I doing this? Well, I, it's just kind of a gut feeling, to be honest. I mean, you can look at some numbers and, 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 and back up that, that take. I guess I could say, well, the Bills have the fewest points allowed this year in the NFL. But that's kind of a mystique, um, uh, misleading because if you look at the statistic, if you, if you dig in, they played – the best offense they played is the 11th best offense. I think that was Denver. Then they played the 28th best offense and the 30th ranked offense in the NFL. So they have not exactly um, <laughs> been up against any elite offenses like the Atlanta Falcons uh, on the road um, nonetheless. So, um, but, but I will say another stat that helps me here is that according to uh, uh, Pro Football Reference, I believe, Tyrod Taylor has never lost a game when he started in either a dome or retractable stadium, which is the new Atlanta stadium. Can you guys believe that stat? Never lost a game. I did not know that. Well, you know why? Because he's never started a game in a dome or retractable roof stadium, which I found <laughs> amazing. According to trickery. Yeah, but um, you know, hopefully he'll be one to know. And I'm I'm calling it, baby. The Bills over the Falcons. What what, what do you what do you think, Trey? <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any question where this belongs. This is squarely in the Carolina Reaper. You might want to have a gallon of milk ready before you uh, take this one. I mean, I like – you guys know my affinity for Tyrod Taylor. I do think he was in the running for me, you know, to be like a top eight um, quarterback this week because I think they're going to be chasing points, and I think that he is going to put up some incredible numbers this week for fantasy purposes. But that's that's Carolina Reaper hot. Will, what do you think? Can you disagree with that? Taking the nine-and-a-half-point dogs on Yahoo's pick on – at Atlanta to win outright. I want to say, I, I, I guess, yeah, I can, I can get on board with the, uh, the Carolina Reaper here just because it just seems crazy. Uh, but when they do, and Jordan Matthews cruises <laughs> top 15, uh, it's kind of like win-win here. So I, I agree with the, the riskiness of it. Uh, I will be taking, I think, Buffalo against the spread, but Atlanta to win overall. That's probably the smart thing to do, but but you know these are hot takes. If you if you don't bring the heat, then you know, <laughs> we might as well not not launch a podcast, right? Um, so, uh, Trey, what what's yours? What's your uh, your next hot take? So my next hot take is, uh, and I went back and forth about this. Like I said, I was considering Tyrod Taylor. There were other uh, a couple other games I was considering taking, uh, but I ended up settling on a guy that you guys both know that I believe in a guy that has um, had two pretty decent games, although, you know, garbage time points, uh, they still count. Uh, and that's Devontae Parker. I think Devontae Parker this week against the suspect uh, New Orleans secondary in a game that I think is very high scoring. Um, I think Devontae Parker has a breakout, and I think he goes for over 20 points in a half PPR format. So I, I think that he's, you know, a guy that you can count on for either over 100 yards and a touchdown or, uh, you know, 80 yards and two touchdowns. So I think 20-plus I think points is, is 
I, and I guess I'll say, you know, 20 plus, so over 20. So if it's 20.0, um, that is not what I'm saying. This is more than 20 <laughs> points. All right, all right, fair, fair. Um, Will, what do you, what do you, I'll let you go first. What do you think? I mean, I mean, it's, it's um, against uh, the New Orleans Saints, of course, but it is at, at Wembley Stadium in, in London. So, uh, who, who's that home of? Because they, oh, the they, Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. Well, because they, they tore down uh, Tottenham, so Wembley would be. Shoot, I should know this. Anyway, I think you just lost four of our seven listeners. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. And just to let you know, we're launching. Boy, a, this is, is British Will podcast. <laughs> I know everything about Wembley Stadium. It's very spacious and fun. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, let's let's get to the tag, shall we? Yeah, oh, all right. that's the other listeners. So, uh, <laughs> well, what, <laughs> what, what do you what do you got, Will? Uh, so this isn't going to be a hot take, and I thought about this. I really didn't come up with a second great take for this week. No, whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, time, time out, time out. We're, we we got to assess the the level of of Trey. So let's not forget about Devontae right. Parker. Oh. I was so bland I forgot about it. My bad. <laughs> That's okay. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, funny. It's just something he's never done in his career. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll throw you a, a jalapeno, I guess, Trey, because it's, it's on the road. Um, on, on the road, yeah, they got to fly to London, right? And, and, you know, we know Devonta Parker is the type of guy that he doesn't exactly have a track record of being the most organized guy ready for, for practice or games. Yeah, he's turned a leaf, maybe. But, you know, he's a guy that's going to go over to London. He's never been there. He's going to go out and party. Uh, he's going to be hung over if he does it. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's maybe a, a, a jalapeno. You guys are killing me with the jalapenos. You guys, know how many, <laughs> you guys know how many wide receivers are averaging more than 18 points this year but, in half yeah, PPR? But, say, but, but saying you're going to go slightly above the average is jalapeno. It's one. There's one wide receiver that's averaging more than 18 points. I'm saying he's a lock for 20. I mean, that's, that's, that's stepping out there. And how many are averaging it against the, the Saints, though, the Saints offense? That's what I want to know. Whew. Yeah, uh, that's good. I'm good with jalapeno. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'll lock, in, I'll lock in four points this week. No problem. Uh, but, like, right. it's slightly more – there's slightly more lines in the jalapeno. It's slightly spicier than a regular jalapeno, but it still counts as just a jalapeno. I want to let you guys – I want to keep you guys in it. You know, I don't want to, I want to re- blow out to a raging lead. Hey, you know, you're lucky, right. you're lucky you're going to get into banana pepper, okay? Because think, <laughs> think, about, think about all the wide receivers. I, off the top of my head, I think that uh, Diggs and Thielen both maybe scored more points. Maybe maybe not against that Saints uh, defense. Then New England played them. And how many wide receivers from New England that week blew up? Uh, you know, Chris Hogan. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, but, so, so, you're, so you're, basically, you're basically saying Tom like seven Brady. catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown? <laughs> you're talking eight, eight, about nine catches? You're talking about Tom Brady as the quarterback. This guy's got Jay Cutler. Did you watch the Miami uh, offense last oh, week? Wait, wait, you're right. Maybe I need to change this to Carolina Reaper. That's a, you, you threw the Jay, you played the Jay Cutler. I mean, this is this well, wait. Is, how many wide receiver ones did Jay Cutler support back in the day? <laughs> oh god, more uh, than Tannehill. Why do we always end the show with Jay Cutler? Why do we always have to talk about? Oh, uh, I can bring it back. I can bring uh, it back. Don't bring it back. Based on that, no. Actually, uh, I kind of have a fun one. That uh, I was looking at these stats earlier, and I was going to talk about this guy, uh, but his, his name is uh, it, it's not Stephen Diggs. Which shockingly, two out of the top three leading wide receivers yardage wise are from the Minnesota Vikings, and it's Adam Thielen and Stephen Diggs, and it's in that order. Uh, so my 
hot take of the week is uh, the, the Vikings are going to go – well, they're going to go ham in the passing game. I'm becoming more of a homer. I kind of said at the beginning of the episode, but I love riding hype trains, and I'm all aboard this Vikings hype train. And uh, so he's 55 yards behind Antonio Brown. My hot take this week is Adam Thielen has 55 or 56 more yards than Antonio Brown this week and becomes the leading receiver in the NFL as of week four. Wow. Okay. That, that is, that is a good, good hot take to end the show with. Um, I I guess I'll go first. I got to go uh, Carolina Reaper. I I mean that, I mean, talking about Adam Thielen. Okay. Adam Thielen. You're talking about about the second leading receiver in the NFL yardage wise. That's wild. Oh, okay. And, and who's his quarterback again, Will? <laughs> Who knows? It doesn't matter. He catches all the balls. He's averaging just like one yard under 100 yards a game. And they're going up against Detroit. Who do you think they're going to shut down, Thielen or Diggs? Yeah. Well, and that's actually why I, as crazy as it sounds, and I don't, for, I don't remember the Steelers. So the Steelers go on the road this week to play – the Baltimore. Ravens. So it's a it's a the the Ravens were just absolutely embarrassed. It's a division game. It's at home. Both of these teams are two and one. So this is for the the lead in the division. So I mean, the the Ravens' focus is going to be Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. So honestly, as crazy as it sounds, that Thielen could be leading the NFL in wide receiver yardage um, after Week Four. Sounds crazy, but like you mentioned, he's already up there at number two. I'm probably leaning more toward Ghost Pepper. I mean, it's it's definitely a hot take, but yeah, you know, I, you're, you're I, right. it's not the matchups you're... this week. I mean, he they're playing Detroit. You know that. I mean, that's just a a, a porous secondary. Although that you know that, I know they've scored a lot of touchdowns this week, but or this year. But I mean, I, I'd say Ghost Pepper would be where I'd place that one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you bring up a good point. It's not like we're he has to go for like 250 yards to, uh, you know, to overtake Antonio Brown. Uh, so no, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go down. I'm going to agree with you. We got to lock it in on, uh, on Ghost Pepper. I'm sorry, Will. I'm not. I'm not upset. I didn't think it was going to be Carolina Reaper. I just think it's fun to bring up the stat of that when you when you look at uh, yardage that Adam Thielen is number two and he's only 56 yards behind Antonio Brown and honestly has a Ghost Pepper opportunity to pass him. When has he ever had a ghost pepper opportunity to pass Antonio Brown in receiving yards at any point during the season besides maybe week one? Yeah, it's good. It's good. All right, guys. We do have to wrap it up on that note. So um, I want to thank everyone again for listening to another episode of the Fantasy Joes. You can contact us directly. We have a, a, an email address, thefantasyjoes at gmail.com, or we are on Twitter at FFJoes. Your feedback is welcome. Let us know how we are doing and what you want from us. We come to you weekly on Thursdays with new episodes, but be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And subscribing helps us out a lot. We really appreciate it. You can find us all on Twitter. Will, where can they find you on Twitter? At FantasyJoe underscore Will. Excellent. Trey is at underscore, no, excuse me. Trey is at Trey Barrett, and I am at Roto Librarian. So on behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood, and we are the Fantasy Jones. Fantasy Jones. Fantasy Jones. I got the feeling, baby, baby, Adam Thielen. <laughs> mm-hmm, ghost Pepper. <laughs>